Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Big Daddy Liberty and Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Molo Sambonani, hello, how's it? Welcome and shalom. Welcome to another installment of the IRR show. I am your favorite fat boy, Big Daddy Liberty, and I'm joined in studio, of course, by the ever lovely, ever radiant Sarah Gon. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Hello, Sikla. I'm doing really well. It is a fantastic Tuesday morning. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope you beat in the traffic and you're just about um, getting into the workplace. Remember, guys, this is the IRR show where we view things, uh, your news, analysis, opinion through the liberal lens. And remember, you can can find um, all the news analysis and opinion of you know uh, writers such as Sarah Gon and other colleagues at the IRR on our website at dailyfriend.co.za. That's right, at dailyfriend.co.za. Guys, if you want to get involved in the show and the discussion, give us a call on the studio number at zero one zero one four zero three zero two zero, or send us a telegram at zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Or hey, if you're old school like me, as I always. Send us an SMS at three five three four five one nine. Guys, welcome to the IRR show. We have an interesting and jam-packed show for you. Interesting guests uh, as our main feature today. We have uh, Mr. Gabriel Krauser from the Institute of Race Relations. We'll introduce him to you um, after uh, our first break at twenty past nine as we talk about the State of the Nation address. Are South Africans cynical? Are we becoming wary of the messaging from our politicians? What should we be watching out for? So Gabriel Krasso will take us through that and uh, we'll look at the political and the economic ramifications of what essentially the president will be saying today. Sarah, it has been an interesting week, has it not? We always begin the show by looking at the week that was. And um, yeah, let me begin at the top of the the, uh, the <laughs> table as I read your message. I just sort of quickly <laughs> filter myself. Um, yeah. uh, you know, SAA... And, you know, the, the, the absolute mess there, the, the two business practitioners had to actually release a statement rebutting uh, the president's resistance and the uh, public enterprises commentary on uh, their suggestions. Mm-hmm. Does this bode well for any sort of attempts to getting SOEs right or even selling them off? Well, I think the best thing you've, you've said is that the practitioners actually rebutted what the president said, because what the president said was, oh, my God, no, they cannot suspend or cancel the uh, the various domestic routes, except for, I think, Joburg, Cape Town, and then reduce that, um, because so, uh, South African Airways is a symbol. Mm. I, I don't even want to begin to imagine what it's a symbol of, but it's a symbol, and this is basically not what we want, which says two rather scary things. Either um, he really doesn't want a successful business rescue or mm. uh, and wants to do what he wants to do, what the department wants to do, or he doesn't understand what business rescue involves. Mm. And I'm not sure which is scarier, frankly. We've always made the case, haven't we, that when it comes to the state-owned enterprises, of course there'll be resistance from the politicians in terms of you know doing what is necessary, which invariably means selling the vast majority of them, if not all of them. I mean, there's 200-plus SOEs in this country. There'll always be resistance to this because SOEs for a lot of these corrupt politicians represent the feeding trough, don't they? Well, they, they represent the feeding trough, and but I also think there's a strange sort of symbolic relationship with these SOEs. In other words, the dreaded hated apartheid regime created or nurtured these SOEs, 
Therefore, we must create or nurture or keep these SOEs going. It's a kind of, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a self-hatred. I'm not quite sure what mm. the, what the symbolic aspect of it. The only one who said something about SAA that I really enjoyed was Gwedi Mantasha. And mm. I don't say that often because Gwedi said, sell the damn thing off. It does nothing for the poor. Now he may be coming from a different perspective, but in this very unusual occasion, I actually do agree with mm. him. Yep, well, I was about to say, maybe it's a final point on this, because there are other issues you've raised here, and I want us to get into them. It's very interesting for him, though, to suddenly find his voice and argue that it has to be sold off. I was having a chat with an Uber driver yesterday, mm. and you know, he was saying his hunch is that you know he's very vocal right now about selling it off because maybe he just doesn't benefit from it. Mm. Um, you know, he isn't part of that, uh, you know, the 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 crony network, you will, of individuals who feed off of that uh, particular SOE. Mm. What, what do you think are the prospects really of politicians like Quede? Uh, Not that I'm venerating him, but in this particular mm. instance, actually being able to persuade colleagues that. This is the necessary move. Well, Greg is a strange character because he's he has longevity. He's been around for a long time. He's got a brusque personality. Apparently, he he works the NEC meetings very very craftily, um, and I think you know, I think one mustn't underestimate him. The problem is what you know what is he going to do next, and in which side is he going to fall? Because his SACP colleagues came up shock and. Horror mm. that he had said this blasphemous thing. Mm. In, in other words, rather stuff the poor and let the airline continue running. Or words that I, I didn't actually read it. I just read the headline. I thought, no, <laughs> I can't go there. Um, but the thing about Gwedi is he's probably, I won't say not corrupt. He's probably the least corrupt uh, um, or amongst the, 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 the sort of group of least corrupt. Um, and he's, he can sometimes be bold when he's not doing nothing at all, which mm. is mostly what he does. Which moves me, I suppose, to, the next area, which is kind of linked, um, the idea of the stubborn politician, either the ideologue or the corrupt individual, both of whom have a stake in, in keeping the status quo. Kosatu comes out and basically says, uh, you know, instead of selling these SOEs, in this case they're talking about ESCOM, um, how about we use the state employees' pension funds uh, to essentially prop up these SOEs? Uh, is this just not a big problem? It is a big problem. I mean, there are a whole lot of reasons it's a big problem, and the financial people will understand the, bigger, the big problem better than I do. But there, there are two issues with it. So the first is, did, are the members actually in agreement that uh, that their pension fund be used. And secondly, it's 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 actually not a big deal in the scheme of things because the government is going to have to meet any shortfall because it's a defined uh, benefit fund. And the problem is if it meets a shortfall, it means we meet the shortfall. Mm. But if the government really meets runs out of money and is trying to decide where the hell to repay money to, if it ever has money to repay, they may not get back their pension funds even though they're entitled to them because a whole lot of people are entitled to money from the government, mm. the, the guarantees that they're entitled to. So that, I, I think I think it's a non-starter. I think it's just meant to make the unions look creative and good and coming to the party and business and the private sector look bad and mean and nasty and withholding their money. My concern is that, the, you know, sort of 
Because that's just sort of pushing us into that realm of, of economic illiteracy, which is very sort of symbolic of the left. Um, it's an either-or situation. Either the state, as you said, provides the guarantees and, you know, one of two things happens there too. The state has to print that money if it, if it runs out essentially of, of tax revenue, which is what ha- is happening right now. The state has to print that money mm. and, you know, everything sort of collapses anyway because the value of that money becomes worthless. Mm-hmm. Or two, um, the state has to literally confiscate Start confiscating people's assets And if you look at the uh, promulgation And the insistence by politicians Of policies such as EWC You begin to see a very dangerous link Developing mm-hmm. here as to where we're heading As our, you know, generally in our, in our body politics Well, well this, uh, this whole idea of, of Kosatus feeds very neatly into The ongoing discussions by the government Of going for prescribed assets Because if the, if the governing If the uh, government pension fund Is prepared to give away Billions if not trillions of rand to the government to help them out when that all comes crumbling down for all the reasons we've spoken about then who's next uh, yeah just having a look at some of your notes here the AU's peace plan or their position on the Trump peace plan T- tell me more about that okay the uh, our our esteemed leader uh, president Ramaphosa went to the AU and said that the um the peace plan, about Donald Trump's peace plan, Israel-Palestine, uh, was reminiscent of the creation of the Bantu stance. Right. Ah, okay. Ah, Can yes. I quickly pause you here? Yes. This is definitely the coordinated response. Yep. Um, I've seen this on all the major news networks, Al Jazeera et al., um, the, the whole likening the peace plan to Bantu stance, apartheid, etc., etc. Um, but yes, do continue. But, but essentially that is it, because he's in the AU. A lot of the countries there are Muslim countries. Yes. A lot of them are opposed to the peace plan because they're opposed to the police plan. Yes. And he's going to make nice. He's the new captain of the ship, so to speak. And I also suspect the uh, Minister of International Affairs, or whatever they call it now, uh, uh, Naledi Pandor, will have had an influence. She feels very strongly about the issue. Mm. And so they come out talking at a time when, although a bus is going to the UN to say how terrible this all is, the, 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 the Arab nations are starting to support it, Absolutely. are saying, where's another plan? Where's another idea? Hey, guys. Hello. Guys, we had this conversation last week when we had our guest Benji Shulman here in the studio. You can find that podcast on the uh, Chai FM website and the Daily Friend website, I think, yes, now. We, we, we started linking those. Uh, after the break, we're going to have Mr. Gabriel Krauser as we chat Sona 2020. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. Oh, that sounds interesting. I was actually talking about this before the Thank show. You, yeah, guys, make sure you go check that out. Um, as I said before the break, and I'm super excited, we have a very special guest in the building, Mr. Gabriel Krauser from the Institute of Race Relations. He is a writer and an analyst there, and um, he, they've been doing some very interesting work around the issue of the upcoming State of the Nation Address, which is on uh, Thursday. Mm. But before we get into any of that, Gabriel, good morning, homie. How are you doing? How did do, dear? Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Gabriel, let me hop straight into it. The weekend papers, um, obviously sort of uh, preempting Thursday's Sona, started gauging uh, or writing and create, uh, giving analysis, sorry. And uh, one headline caught my attention. It said, uh, I don't know, City Press, um, the public is cynical of the State of the Nation Address. And I remember thinking, is it really cynicism or are we just wary of, of, of the speech and the, 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 the big nothing burger of it all? Yeah, I think nothing burger is a pretty good word. It's a lot to chew on, but absolutely no nutrients. (laughs) We've had uh, Ramaphosa. He became leader of the ANC in December 18, 2017. 
Two days later, he announces EWC as a unanimously supported policy within the party. That's a very early warning sign. Uh, he becomes president at the beginning of 2018. And since then, the JSC has had its worst run kind of on record. We are continue to be, according to South African Reserve Bank, in the longest negative business cycle. That started in 2013 since World War II. Mm. So it's hard for the State of the Nation address to be anything other than, if it's going to be serious, a declaration of failure. Mm. Not just on the part of Zuma, but on his own part. And I think South Africans, I, I, I've got a personal challenge. I started writing about politics and economics with regard to Sir Ramaphosa, Ramaphosa in particular. In mm. 2017, when I saw the battle between him and Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma going down, I was afraid for myself, for my family, and for my country. Mm. And mm. I thought it was really important that Ramaphosa win. Uh, I saw data coming out of survey data coming out of mark data, the biggest uh, single uh, electoral poll that's ever been done. And it found that Ramaphosa was six times more popular, if not eight times more popular than Lamini Zuma. And that the, and this is from the ANC's base, mm. that he also had huge popular support around the country. The same ANC base was showing huge favorability for more business friendly solutions. And only about 10% liked the idea of radical economic transformation of which EWC is obviously the most radical plank. So it looked like people saw Ramaphosa as – at that time it made sense to think about Ramaphosa as a long-term strategist, mm. at least to me. I thought this guy couldn't complain too much about Zuma while he was deputy president because Zuma had his hands on SARS, on the police, on the Secret Service. Zuma has dirt on everybody. Zuma is an all-powerful president, the head of a very tentacled octopus that reaches into very dark corners. Mm. And so you cannot try to oust this guy while he's still in charge. But I thought if you wait your time, you bide your time, you're polite, you're sweet, then you get your chance Ramaphosa knows business. He's been sitting on boards for years. He knows the inner workings of the unions. He knows their pinch points. He knows how to make sure that the bloated SOEs that, you know, ESCOM alone doubles its uh, employers, it's, it's, it's the people it pays wages to, hugely inflated procurement bills. He's going to know how to make the case mm. to these guys that if you want everyone to keep their job and you want this economy to keep going, we're going to have to make some cuts. I thought Ramaphosa was the man. Everything that he's done since has disappointed that hope. And so the State of the Nation address, it, it's, yeah, I think weariness is right. It's just like how much more talking one way and then acting another can you possibly handle? Let's just go into this because I think this becomes the political um, cudgel that uh, you know a lot of the opposition parties are going to use against Ramaphosa. In fact, we've seen a lot of the posturing of the economic freedom fighters yesterday in a press conference held by uh, their party leader, Julius Malema, basically speaking to this, saying, you know, it's been two years and, you know, he hasn't done anything, therefore... Um, you know, we're going to be anti-Ramaphosa mm-hmm. and the, the focal area that we're going to focus on is that he must fire, according to the EFF, he must fire, um, Praveen Gordon. Uh, otherwise we're just going to dis- disrupt the state of the nation address. Now, it surely it cuts both ways, uh, uh, um, um, Gabriel. Yeah. If there's wariness of Ramaphosa and the ANC, surely there also must be wariness by the public of the, a- the EFF's antics oh, and yeah. really the opposition generally. Oh, yeah. No, man, they must grow up. Mm. 
But it, I do think it raises – Pravin Gordon is really an interesting touchstone yeah. in South African politics. So before the break, you guys were talking about uh, Gwede Mantashe coming out and saying, guys, we really have to sell out SAA. It's not doing anything <laughs> good for the poor. Mm. Here's a very useful way to think about ANC politics. Uh, Franz Crenier, the CEO of the IRR, he often thinks about things in this way, and I, and I think it's worth uh, tabling. Three factions. You've got the race nationalist faction. You've got the honest communist faction, and then you've got the reformers, and I'm using plural reformers uh, because of generosity, <laughs> of spirit on this glorious uh, anniversary of uh, F.W. de Klerkery's leasing Mandela. Okay, and Mandela doing a good job. Okay, so let's look at the first two factions. What is the difference between an honest communist and a race nationalist? One of the differences is that Praveen Gordon has not personally uh, amassed huge wealth by tenderpreneuring himself out, okay? But how do you make sense ideologically or at a slightly deeper level of, of what the tensions are between the two? Because obviously they agree, they hate white monopoly capital or they hate capital more generally, and they think that, you know, if you can just manage to scratch someone else's nose, that's going to make things better here. But ideologically, what is what is the difference? I would say that one of the key differences is this. It, it is a symbolical difference. But, it's, but the way that people think in terms of honor and esteem really is very important. To a proper race nationalist... If one black dude does really well and makes a lot of money, it's like when the Springboks or Bafana Bafana score a goal or score a try. It's somehow good for the whole fan base. Uh So you don't have to be good for the poor. When Malema wears Gucci shoes and and a million rand watch, that is good for all black people because he is like the star for which they are the fan base. Mm. And I've been to EFF rallies in soccer stadiums, and this really is how people feel. And they buy the shirts, and they like to buy the shirts where he's looking like this or looking like that. because. And you ask people, why are you doing this? And they say, because he represents us. Mm. His wealth represents the wealth of, of, of blackness. Mm. Honest communists don't really think that way. They see this through a Marxist ideological lens as a new bourgeois uh kind of delusion that tricks the proletariat and the and the and the workless into sustaining uh, a corrupt system and they want to, you know when they're really doing their jobs properly they really want to be good for the poor mm. now ironically Praveen Gordon has doubled the debt which means that we, our debt's going to be junked which means that pensioners can't own any of South Africa's bonds which means that only capitalist cowboys are going to be able to own those bonds people in other words who can afford to the chance of maybe losing out in other words, the richest of the rich internationally. In other words, South Africa's fiscus is paying a billion rand a day to the richest of the rich because Praveen Gordon wasn't prepared to rein things in like Trevor Noah. Mm. Like Trevor Noah. <laughs> <laughs> like Trevor Manuel. Yeah. Okay, but so the point that I'm trying to raise is that the EFF has gotten to the point where it is just brazen and blatant in its race nationalism. Mm. In its mm. thought that we loot, we can steal pension, we can steal old ladies' monies from VBS. Because ultimately, when we as a few black people do really, really well, that's good for the whole lot. Mm, Don't yes. worry about the details. Uh, but somehow the rest of the black population lives vicariously mm-hmm. through these rich people. Precisely. It's the most insulting thing ever. You it really yeah. is. It really is. Politicians. And that, but that's how they run their show. And there's a faction of the ANC that's on board with that. And then mm. there's a faction of the ANC that's not on board with that, that wants to help the poor, but doesn't seem to have the beginning of an idea mm-hmm. about how to do it. Because, I mean, they seem to, seem, seem to be lost in the thought that, uh, if you have high unemployment, you can't fire anyone mm. uh, because that just adds to unemployment. Mm. 
But really, they don't understand that if you're going to really make a dent into unemployment, it's going to be by creating a value-add economy where mm. that's what gets a reward and not having our SOEs basically be an ATM machine mm. where you stand in line for 30 days, you go every day to the ATM machine. It's a very slow machine. Mm. Mm. You have to go 9 o'clock in the morning and leave 5 o'clock in the afternoon and mm. chat about it. But eventually on the 28th, then some money comes out. And then you don't have to work. You just go to the ATM machine. This brings me back to the State of the Nation address itself. Yeah. And I think you've set out in a very broad way an important principle as to why you know, we, we say we, South Africans are wary. Now, let's look at the, the, the meat and potatoes of the actual SONA itself. You have a South African public who have been reading in the newspapers, who have been listening to this show um, who are very aware now of the dangers of the various policy approaches that our politicians are sort of whittling in that the, the direction of, you know, whether it's prescribed assets, the idea that a politician steals your pension in order to prop up or find any vanity project mm. that he or she has, um, expropriation without compensation, the same principle, the idea that a politician gives themselves the power to be able to take something from you and not compensate you, i.e. theft in my view, but anyway, and of course a, a spin-off of that, a, a variant of that, and there'll be many such spin-offs are policies like the national health insurance, you know, mm-hmm. the idea that all power and resources vest in the single pot controlled by politicians who then decide where and where you can't access your health care. Mm. People are starting to see the trend here. Mm. And now they're thinking, surely this needs a leader, a bold leader and leadership to steer us away from this. Unfortunately, the president has seemingly been the very person mm. steering us into this. Mm. But maybe there's hope, um, Gabriel. And, you know, and I want you to burst my bubble if it is no a bubble. Man. Maybe there's, there's hope that in this state of the nation, he's going to speak to these issues and say, here and no further, I'm instituting reforms. Um, See, what, what should we expect in this sooner? If, if you're expecting that from Cyril Ramaphosa, then you need to you need to just pay attention to what Cyril Ramaphosa says. says. <laughs> In January, uh, what was it, the twentieth? Uh, anyway, a few weeks ago, Ramaphosa said, "I and the ANC endorse not only EWC, mm. but I want." My executive branch to have the discretionary power Correct. to determine how much compensation I give you if and when I deem your stuff to be actually my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think once the president said that, he crossed a line that I don't think you can uncross very easily. Can, can, can I add? Before that, no. sorry, and I wanted to bring you in because this, we, we were just talking about it now. There was a context to why I asked that question like that, and I, I created this, the bubble, which a lot of people are in. We've just seen some survey data come out. Um, I haven't checked, saw, excuse me, I didn't see what the methodology used was, mm. but the survey data basically said, um, Sir Ramaphosa, 64% approval rating. So clearly somewhere out there in the ether, there is still seems to be this, um, public, if mm. you will, that have this big trust in the sky. Sarah? Okay. I, I, want to suggest that it's not a trust so much. I mm. think we're so desperate. It's a case of he, he's all we've got. And yeah. I, I like to take some credit for when he was standing for the presidency of the ANC. I said that he was not the guy we could rely on. Mm. He is not decisive. He believes in cons- a decision by consensus, which is absolutely a, a, a disaster in this scenario. And that is how he's operated. However, he speaks emphatically very seldom, but when he does, you've got to listen to what he says. Mm. He supports he, he supports EWC. He said it a few times. He wants the executive 
to, to decide how much is or isn't given Sorry, for property. And can I just say about the executive? The Department of Rural Development and Land Reform. I mean, you think there's corruption in yeah. this country. That department is singularly so corrupt that the Constitutional Court said you cannot be a department mm. and we need to appoint a special mm. master to run the ministry. That's not uh, uh, something they pulled out of the air. That is because of very hard evidence of widespread nepotism, corruption, uh, outright looting. And what that suggests is that Corruption and looting, the, the Zondo Commission is a sort of bread and circuses for, for, the, mm. for us. What's really happening is that looting will take place in a different form. They will have more control over it. They will control what is taken, how is taken, who will take it, whether they do it efficiently or inefficiently. It's the same way as the one other time I heard him being emphatic was when he gave a speech, I think it was June, July, when, when, uh, uh, 2018, when, uh, Obama was here the day after he gave a speech in which he he praised his his the strength of his belief in socialism mm. otherwise if you listen almost every speech he makes and certainly almost every sonar speech he makes is full of bromides and clichés and neither neither here you've got to just listen for the little things because he'll say we must be a united people nonsense he says we we must work together Nonsense. Yeah. But he, the, all these things are said which mean nothing but are made, meant to make us feel relaxed and good about it. I think you have to watch him very carefully. Yeah. He, he, in, in the sort of last four minutes before we head to our break, mm. um, what I want to do when we come back from that break is I want to play the devil's advocate to a large extent. I want to play the role of the hardline leftist socialist ideologue who mm. views uh, the direction of government in a positive way. And I'm going to pose some scenarios to you and I want you to rebut uh, to and respond to them. Oh, if you're an ultra leftist, I will give you hope. <laughs> I will tell you how this sonar is going to give you hope. Uh, but before we go to the break, because we have, we have three minutes or so, talk to me and I covered this in, in, in my, my show, the uh, Blacks Only and, and the Big Liberty show, where there's this case of a, um, on Twitter, he, he, he goes by at Sandwich King. Um, uh, you know, his name is, um, uh, oh, I can't uh, remember his name right now. But here's a chap who, young man, uh, mid twenties, um, has a baby, realizes, yikes, I, I'm unemployed and I'm struggling to find work. Literally has mm. 800 rand to his name in his bank account. I think he just lost his job or something along those lines. Had 800 rand to his name and says, you know what? Instead of me waiting for this nirvana uh, of the windfall of jobs, because if you remember, mm. the mm. president initially when he came in said, oh, there'll be 500,000 jobs. In fact, let's go into this job summit where we'll flesh this out. To this mm. day, dololo, nothing's come out of that. Mm. Um, but he then says, you know, I can't wait for these politicians. Let me take initiative. Let me do something mas- uh, myself. Buy some bread, buy some spread, you name it. Mm. And starts this wonderful business where he sells sandwiches and muffins and you know all the things we want before we dash into the office place. Um, you know, in, in these sort of um, corporate South Africa type places, Santin and Rosebank and blah, blah, blah. Um, from having from having eight hundred rand to his name, now raking in twenty thousand rand a month, and he was featured on Business Insider recently. And this is where I wanted to come with this. Um, you know, the state uh, having perhaps read that article, uh, we then hear last week, Friday, that the state came down on him and confiscated all his goods and essentially left him in despair. Mm. Talk to me about the psyche of that individual and mm. that young person mm. who's then going to be listening to a politician talk about job creation and blah, blah, blah in a State of the Nation address. Where, what, is, what are they thinking right now? And where's the hope for them, if yeah, any? I think the, you know, I've, in my travels in rural KZN, a word that I came across a lot was Zonda. 
an envy, a jealousy, mm-hmm. a hatred of success. The, in the English metaphor is you cut down the tall poppy or the sunflower that sticks out, that's the one that you chop. I think people understand in their bones that in this country that mentality has festered, it has incubated, mm-hmm. and it has grown. That is the tallest poppy we have in our land, is to cut people mm-hmm. who may su- make a success of themselves. And the great irony is that uh, <laughs> if you do if you do it on side, if you if 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 you if you don't go about the hard work of value add as the route to success mm. of solving other people's problems, but instead you go the route of being a pol- politician who then becomes a unionist, who then becomes a sort of board member who signs off on deals and keeps everything kosher a, a in a very end. If you're a power broker, if you're a social lubricator of capital, if you sort of gloss <laughs> over the hard realities with a kind of sugary, uh, mellifluous ooze, <laughs> then you will be rewarded. Rewarded indeed. And let me reward you, dear listener, with a quick ad break. It'll be very quick. We'll be back. And after the break, I play the role of the hardline socialist. And let's see how Gabriel responds. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. All right, guys. Um, remember, you can get involved in the last 10 minutes of this conversation uh, by calling the studio number 010-140-3020 or send us a telegram at 061-895-1019 or, hey, send us that SMS at 34519. I'm watching the lines and I'll obviously uh, get your comments into this conversation. As I said before the break, I'm going to play the role of someone who looks at the various policy uh, proposals made by our politicians uh, favorably and I'm going to put it to uh, Gabriel and have him respond with what, with what I think should be the State of the Nation address um, if it were to instill the confidence. So let me begin at healthcare uh, uh, Gabriel, or actually let me begin on the issue of property rights. Gabriel the leftists would then say, yeah but you know Gabriel, you lib- liberals uh, you hate the idea of the state owning things. Well, the state should own things on behalf of the people because the state is the people. Mm-hmm. When, you know, when we give power to Ramaphosa and friends, I know, know that he'll deliver, um, with a pro-poor basis. So why should you guys have any of these property rights that you want? Well, okay. So it's a deep and philosophical question, but, uh, let me take one more practical route. Fukuyama. Came last year to speak at Wits. The most, uh, Francis Fukuyama is probably, I mean, certainly the most famous world economist to, to have visited South Africa in the last year. He predicted the fall of the Soviet Union at a time when everyone else sort of thought it might last until Jesus comes, uh, to borrow a phrase. And, uh, and that kind of set him up to be really famous. Okay. He said when he came to Wits, guys, there is this ideological battle that's been going on kind of since Keynes and Hayek uh, dueled in the 20s and 30s, but really especially under the Cold War, of some people saying the government must own nothing and some people saying the government must own everything. I have my own view on which end of the scale you want to be on, but let's agree that there's not going to be one universal sweet spot for all countries. That's the x-axis. Government, zero ownership. Government, 100% ownership. Where do you want to find your sweet spot? Let's look at the y-axis. How good is the government? Mm. Because if the government is very, very good at its job, you can let it do more interventions with less negative consequences and maybe more of the profits that would have gone to, for example, a private provider of health or security or whatever is going to go back into the fiscus and then that can be fed back into a system that redistributes that wealth in a way that uplifts the poor. 
if the government's really good at doing what it does. If the government's really rubbish at doing what it does, then it has to minimize its responsibilities, focus on what it can do, and make itself better at doing what it can do. We have one of the world's most corrupt governments. It is, if you look at uh, databases from the World Economic Forum, if you look at databases from the Heritage Foundation, many world indexes show us slipping badly. We used to be quite well ranked in the 90s in some of those indexes. We were in the top 40. Now we're down in 100, 150. So we have become inept. The most inept department that we have is rural development and land reform. Partly because it's a logistical matter. It's the most spread out throughout the country. Another particularly inept uh, department is health. So if if the Ramaphosa was serious about reform, what he would say is, I want to build state capacity. He said that a few times. Mm -hmm. And I know that I cannot learn to fly before we get it right to walk. Right now, we need to focus on the government's core responsibilities. We need to outsource everything that we can. We don't need to be flying airplanes. We can't fly airplanes. Go away. We don't need to be uh, generating power. We don't know how to do it. We couldn't build Mudupe and Kusile properly in a decade with all of the money that we could possibly have thrown at it and then some more. So we are going to sell that off. We're going to outsource that. You know what we're going to focus on? Protecting you from being robbed. Mm. If you are that poor guy who's managed to retire with 20 cattle, in the in the foothills of the Drakensberg, and all you need is the fence to stay up for that twenty cattle to keep producing wieners that you can sell off and and keep yourself going, together with your pension, and that fence is stolen, and you are in the position where you don't even want to put up a new fence because you say I'm just giving um, a wire metal to the mm. thieves, then there's a problem. The, Ramaphosa needs to solve that problem. The government needs to solve that problem of protecting poor people from being robbed. In broad daylight, in the middle of the night, you know, I, I, I like to, rem- our, our very own security guard at the IRR was shot dead at the end of last year around the, uh, around Christmas. Philip, he was on his way to work on a Monday morning, sitting at a taxing rank at five o'clock in the morning. There was load shedding, so the lights were out. It was super rainy, that's why there was load shedding. We don't know how to put a roof over coal. So he's in a dingy area, the lights are out, and he, he, he shot dead. That's a problem that the government should solve. In Melville, close to our, our, our offices, our IRR offices, two people were shot dead on, on New Year's Eve. On Saturday, I was really excited to see that the police had produced f- pictures of, of the killer. Do yourself a favor if you really want to feel miffed and go look at that picture. It is the most, it's, it's an insult. It looks like how do you or some cartoon. Like, mm. how do it, you? It's been months it's and that's way, what they've managed to produce. Weird. The fact, so the least trusted institution in this country. Is the police. You ask the Institute of Security Studies, they've done their surveys. Why? Because ordinary South Africans know what it feels like to be afraid. They know it in their bones. They know what it feels like to be afraid of their neighbors. They know what it feels like to be afraid of politicians and of thugs who have this Zonda attitude of cutting down the tall poppies, of, of turning any bit of personal success into a target on your back. And Sona needs to, if Ramaphosa was serious, he'd start out by saying, here's what I want to do. Mm. I want to limit our competence. I want to outsource the stuff that we've proven we can't do. There's no magical wand to make a change. Mm-hmm. But what we can do and what we must do is protect South Africans. And, uh, and that starts with judicial reform, police reform, getting, uh, uh, and, uh, okay. One other thing, education mm-hmm. is a huge nightmare. You give vouchers. You give parents the right to choose where they want to send their kids instead of 
parents basically sending their kids into 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 uh, mind shackling traps mm. uh, run by Satu. Uh, you give them the right to say, look, I want to send my kid to a private school that's mm. low cost, mm. and the government's going to give me a voucher that costs the government less than it would cost to keep paying teachers not to come to work on Monday mm. and to leave after Pooza mm. Thursday. Mm. This is, it's, it's very simple. Those would be two simple things. And then you say, by the way, property rights, the idea of the government taking your stuff at my discretion, that was a, that, it was my mistake. Yeah. I have now come to the table with very serious experts, and they've explained to me that there's no way that we can expropriate cop- property without compensation, without also impoverishing even more people. Yeah. My own trade delegations have come back to me repeatedly and said, Ramaphosa, do you want to know why over 200 billion rand has left this country from the JSC alone, from foreigners, since you became president? It's because EWC. So I've realized that. My mistake. Very sorry. Promise never to bring it up again. We're not going to do anything about it. But you're looking for hope, my leftist uh, version of (laughs) Sietle. Let me give you some hope. South Africa's news cycle is extremely slow. There's a year delay. In 2018, Ramaphosa beat Lamini Zuma. That was a good thing. But in Sorry, that was in 2017. In 2018, we started talking about the new dawn. We were a year late. Mm. In 2018, Ramaphosa was pushing NHI, prescribed, well, the ANC started talking up prescribed assets, uh, started talking up EWC implementation. That's when the false dawn was. But we only started talking about the false dawn in 2019. By now, you have a suite of policies that are consistently being pushed left and left. And it's time that we realize it's not a false dawn. It's a new dawn. It is a red dawn. Mm. This is what the country faces, a red dawn. And I expect Ramaphosa increasingly to sell himself as the face of socialism in South Africa, mm. as the face of big, friendly government, and never mind how incompetent we are, because what matters more than that is how loyal you are to the dream. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Andrew, excuse me, uh, wow, <laughs> That's Gabriel Krauser from the (laughs) Institute of Race Relations And you can and will find a lot of his writing and analysis and opinion On the Daily Friend website That's dailyfriend.co.za IFM 101.9 megahertz of life Just to read out an SMS from a listener About an earlier subject Which was uh, President Ramaphosa's speech at the AU On President Trump's peace plan The reader says The best thing you could say about that nonsensical peace plan Is that it's a Bantustan Ridiculous So we are Yeah, you see, again like, Firstly, I'm I'm, I'm a young black South African Who has parents who grew up in actual apartheid And I find it absolutely insulting that anyone would suggest that what is happening in the Middle East is reminiscent or even resembles what, um, you know, the, 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 the millions of black South Africans uh, who live in this country went through. Nowhere in this country did you have a situation where black South Africans had equal rights um, to white South Africans under apartheid. Yet, if you go to Israel, Arabs, um, I said Arab South Africans, Arab Israelis who live in that part of the world have equal rights and are literally part, an instrumental part of that, that society Again Don't take it from me um, I mean I have shows On the Big Liberty show Where I literally Was in Israel And I brought you The opinions of people On the ground So Whenever I hear this notion That oh no Israel is 
like apartheid and it's creating a Bantustan. I think that's absolutely ridiculous because if you even look at the, the actual Trump deal itself, let's go into this for a minute, Sarah. Mm. That deal basically gives those um, individuals who self-identify as Palestinians, uh, albeit, you know, before they were uh, Jordanians and from anyway, so it's a separate debate for another day. It gives them a, 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 a pathway for saying you can build an actual Palestinian state where you guys can actually self-govern as long as you say down with mm. Hamas, down with Islamic Jihad, down with these other terrorist organizations, and actually put in place governance structures that respect you. It's not the Israelis that are subjugating those people. It's the very people that are at the helm of this society, these terrorist organizations that are subjugating uh, uh, Palestinians. Am I, I wrong? I, I think what the most interesting thing about this plan is, is it's it's almost not even the substance of it, whether it's creating a bunch of sense with it. It isn't creating a bunch of sense, but it's putting forward a very comprehensive plan, which they may or may not agree with, and it's subject to negotiation. But it's really sending out a message saying, okay, this is what we propose. We, the Americans are standing behind the Israelis. That's that we've, we've put clear in this plan. Come and negotiate or present us with something else. Absolutely. But do something. And I think that's the problem is, is in 70 years and sort of six or nine iterations of peace proposals, there's never been any pressure to put Put on the on the Palestinians, mm. either the PA, the Hamas, etc., to come to the party. They've never taken the initiative, mm. which, of course, just ma- which more than anything suggests that negotiations is not the idea. The other thing that, that irks me is that you're not going to fix this issue by continuing to view the the, the, the so-called Palestinians in a victim narrative. Mm. Look at how the fellow Arab nations are beginning to look at them. Mm. They're saying, no, these people have agency. If we, the Arab world, have been able to progress, yes, through oil wealth and uh, eventually diversifying mm. their economies, but essentially they've re- re- raised their standard of livings, you know, they've progressed their societies, and now they look at the Palestinians and they go, why are these people still appropriating that victim narrative when they've had uh, deal after deal after deal and every opportunity to actually self-govern and start something special that isn't in, uh, in sync with the rest of the Arab world? So I'm sorry. I'm for anybody who says this is, you know, um, a Bantustan. I, I just don't buy that. I'm sorry. Okay. Can I just read out a message from Ronnie Hershowitz? Yes. Who says, I can't praise you enough. I don't know when I last heard so much sense being spoken. Wow. Thank Whoa. you, Ronnie. Appreciate Gabriel, that. Lots yeah, of sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and hopefully that'll be the, the, the cue of the IRR show. More and more people listening and enjoying the sense. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Sarah Gunn and Big Daddy Liberty, we're going to be out just now. Remember, you can find all our news, analysis, and opinion on our website. That's the Daily Friend. Dailyfriend.co.za. Head over there and have a look and see what we've written on there. You'll also find Gabriel on there and lots of interesting stuff from the Big G himself. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember to support your favorite fat boy by finding me online. Just search Big Daddy Liberty on all your social media and uh, have a look and see what I'll be putting out this week. Guys, we'll see you next week on the IRR show.